Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hi everyone, this is Jeremy Soule and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom. From comics and video games to science and technology, if it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Brandon. And this is a Nerdy Show Microsode. That's where we talk about what you want us to talk about for about 15 to 30 minutes or so. And in this case, we went over because we wanted to, because this particular topic is something we're crazy about. It's a topic so specific that Brandon and I are the only people in the Nerdy Show Network qualified to talk about it. So we brought some friends. Which is, if I'm one of the people qualified, <laughs> then that's just horrific. Giggling, we have our first guest host. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You're adorable. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lauren the Flute. Um, I'm the leader of the video game cover band, The Returners. We've played around, so sometimes people have heard of us. And if they haven't, they've probably heard of Final Fantasy VI, which is just as good. And then I also sing and play flute and play video games online on YouTube and Twitch. So... Yes, they call me the flute. I'm not actually a flute, but I'm close enough. <laughs> so thanks for having me. <laughs> and I am Adil. I work at Fangamer. I am probably one of the newest members of the FG crew, but I do have style and grace. I'm also, I also have an unhealthy obsession with Batman. Unhealthy? Yeah, is there such a so thing? You don't, you don't sleep a lot. You maybe not eat the right foods thinking about <laughs> Batman. <laughs> well, you never know. Oh, secretive too, just like Batman. Oh, maybe T- just fight. Typical, <laughs> typical yeah. Batman I mean, behaviors. I mean, mm. You know, I, I can't tell you guys, but um, <laughs> he's such a Batman. If you guys have ever been to the Fan Gamer booth at PAX, that's probably me running around as Batman. That's oh, you awesome. do. <laughs> I gotta, you know, draw people to the booth. Do you use your battering on draw them and then like pull them in? I would like to, but I'd probably get arrested by like PAX security. Batman doesn't get arrested. <laughs> Yeah, Pax has pretty strict <laughs> policies on booth babes. Probably booth bats, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, booth bats are fine. So, I mean, it works out. <laughs> well, until you create the incident by which they will <laughs> judge all yeah. future instances of Batman. Well, fortunately, they don't seem to judge the uh, the band, Bandland tables the same way because our bassist, he likes to dress up as Misty from Pokemon sometimes. And oh, that definitely gets attention. I'm thinking for X West, though, I'll probably do Ganondorf because it's probably much more relevant to Fangamer. That is awesome. Well, uh, so we haven't even mentioned what we're here to talk about today, actually. Um, <laughs> what are we here for? We're here to talk about Terranigma. Now, Yay! If, you, if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you've heard of it, then you're probably as excited as we are. But if you haven't, well, sit back and let us tell you about one of the greatest video games you've never played. Yeah, it's probably my favorite game on the Super Nintendo, besides Secret of Mana, obviously. <laughs> 
Within the nerdy community, people have not heard of Terranigma. Ah, so sad. I tried to tell Cap for years, like, it's the only thing that's that's ever made me cry. Ever. I don't I haven't cried <laughs> since or before. <laughs> it, it is a very powerful game, so I think we can probably safely say that we won't talk about the end of Terranigma, but we'll talk about we'll it We'll do, like, general. a quick plot synopsis. And, uh, so. Yeah. Let's call it a safe introduction to Terranigma, but also with the insightful discourse that really is required of us as in this listener requested format here. And this request <laughs> comes in from Matt Mighty Cox, who says, it's uh, been a longtime listener from when Brian Clevenger posted about the show on nuclear power way back when. You guys got me through some rough times, so this is some long overdue payback. Keep it coming because it's all good, especially Derpy Show and Wicked Anime. Matt is from Australia, and in response to us goofing on this fact uh, a while back, he'd like to clarify that Australians do not drink Fosters. <laughs> we, we drink an alcoholic beverage we've made from hoop snake venom, crocodile tears, and shark's blood, which is distilled in kangaroo pouches. I knew it. I knew it. I knew they had pouches for a reason. I knew it. All I want to know, is their currency actually dollary dues? <laughs> um, Matt, you're, you're going to need to follow up with us on that one. Uh, he also says Australians don't eat shrimp. We eat prawns that are 10 meters long and spit acid. Sounds mm. about that it. That sounds like an enemy from Contra. Or Fallout. <laughs> I was thinking Super Metroid. <laughs> or, yeah. Did we talk about so all these Australia things? Australia is uh, Zebus. Zebes? Zabes? I say yep. Zebes, but I've heard people pronounce it all sorts of other ways, unfortunately. Yeah. So Terranigma. Right. Uh, he wants yes! to talk about Terranigma. <laughs> he says, this is the first game to give me a- an existential crisis. It really does. Um, <laughs> wow. Plus, yes. it's so hard to get a copy of. Even though I live in a country where it was actually released, I still had to emulate it. Yeah, and we have to, we have to tell people real quick that it was fully translated into English, but never released in America. It, it was released in Europe, but not over it, here. It's, it's a Japanese RPG f- from 1995 that was created by Quintet, and it was available in, like, the UK, Germany, France, and Australia, but not America. Yeah, they released it in Australia, who has crazy strict gaming laws, but not in America. I think that it touched on some of the specific issues that America, more than other countries, are really picky about. Yeah, is like, really picky about... Just the intro, talking about God and the devil, yes. right there, totally. Oh, yeah. yeah, and there's parts like with, like, Nintendo Jesus hanging on a cross in Brazil, I think. Yeah. It's the religious content, I'm pretty sure, that did it, did it in... On top of that, um, Nintendo got really shy of publishing anything um, in America for the Super Nintendo around the time 95 hit because they wanted to focus on the N64. So a lot of games just kind of got shut down for being released. Was this that late on the console's life? It I was. mean, you can tell from, from the graphic that it was late, but I didn't realize it was like overlapping with N64. Yeah, in fact, yeah. Enix, who would have been the distributor, they actually had already shut down their American branch at this point. It was December of 96 that it was ready to release in the U.S. Nintendo of America, at least, would not have allowed it because... Damn you, Reggie. They wanted... I don't think Reggie was even on board, man. He wasn't He wasn't even a gleam he in his daddy's alive, eye. Man. He wasn't built. <laughs> it's, always, it's always been Reggie. It's always. No, but he was like a robot that was built in like 2004 or something. He was. <laughs> One final note from Matt who requested this topic says, this is the game that gave me a benchmark for epic stories and solid gameplay and along with Planescape mm. Torment helped me define who I am and what I believe. Oh man, that's such wow. a... Planescape Torment is amazing. Which is yeah. also a Microsoft. Well, the reason Microsoft I haven't request. beaten it is because it's like a thousand hour game. It's like a Baldur's oh, is Gate. It? It's a Baldur's Gate, you know, type <sighs> D&D game with a way better story. Everybody tells me I need to play it because it's like the example of that kind of game with actually good story. It and, is. Yeah. But yeah. if it's a million hours long, I usually take like half again as long as everyone and like a million and a half hours might be too many. <laughs> so to dive into Terranigma in general, it was called uh, Tenchi Sozo, which means the creation of heaven and earth, but became Terranigma in all PAL territories. 
and it's part of what's considered Quintet, the development company's creation trilogy, or the Soul Blazer trilogy, or the Heaven and Earth trilogy, what? or the Act Razor <laughs> series, depending on who you ask. Well, it's it's a what? combination. Or the Terra Earth. Terra Earth, I've heard that one too. <laughs> oh well, there, it's part of a trilogy that what exists with Soul Blazer and Illusion of Gaia. Well, and it's also right. a trilogy that's not necessarily a trilogy. Well, it's not related by story, but it has similar themes of like the destruction and rebirth of everything. And Basically. just like the creation of the world and humanity and, and civilization. And the, the never ending a... cycle. And the contrast between light and dark and the emphasis on, on polarity and duality. Yeah. Yes. And what and, she said. And grim emotional <laughs> hardships. But paired with hope. Yes. That's, I think, what makes it so beautiful is that it, they, they really have life and death as a cyclical thing and as like a, a partnership. So even when things are really like hard and ugly, they're also beautiful. Well, and it's actually funny that you bring that up because... I might be jumping in a little too far, but Uh-oh. the way Terra Enigma opens is you pretty much literally open Pandora's box. Sure. And Can so, we talk a little course, bit about the story? We'll share what the other titles in the trilogy are, and then we'll dive right into the story. Okay, okay. sounds good. Um, if you're considering it a trilogy, then it's Soul Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, which is the best known game in the series. And, and then, then Terra Also known as Illusion of Time in Europe, right? Yeah. Honestly, I feel like Terranigma should be called Illusion of Gaia, but that's for other reasons and you <laughs> yeah, need to play the game. Yeah. What was funny, though, is that a lot of people thought that then Legend of La Gaia for the PlayStation. Oh, my God. I love of... that game. Can we talk about yeah, that but... game next? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but I, I just that. remember like being like, oh, is that, a, is that like a sequel to Illusion of Gaia? Because not understanding nope. what La Gaia or Gaia meant when I was like, you know, in junior high. So... <laughs> The series could also encompass Act Razor and Grand Stream Saga. Wait, Act Razor isn't related to these. Yes, it it's, is. Wait, what? Yeah, Quintet. Thematically. Wait, it's the same creator? Yeah. Yes. I thought it was yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 guys, guess what? Did you know that EVO, the um, evolution game, yes. is also made by Quintet? If you go through and you play it, it's got a lot of the life and death, earth spirit. In order for some creatures to live, other creatures must die. But that's that's progress, and it's beautiful and also terrible. It's, yeah. it's a very Quintet game. No wonder game. I love Actraiser. I didn't, had no idea it was related. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> is Zelda Link to the Past related? Because I love that game. <laughs> Funny that you mentioned that, because that's how my friend uh, sold me on Illusion of Gaia, was that he's like, yeah, it's a Zelda game. Like, it's another <laughs> Zelda game for the, uh, for the Super Nintendo. Like, you know, not literally. Oh but, but, like, that's <laughs> gameplay style. I think, actually, that's how I was sold on it, too. I was like, oh, I like Zelda. Yeah. This looks cool. Yeah, like I played flute and I play flute, so I was like, okay, I oh, got man. this. He, he didn't just play flute. Yeah. I've actually dressed up as Will for Halloween. Nice. Oh wow, that's nice. the uh, my flute was not pink, unfortunately. Uh, the main character from Illusions of Gaia hits people with a flute. That's his weapon the entire time. That's all you need. The thing is, Will uses his to do telekinesis. I, I need to learn how to do that. And can you block like if someone shoots a fireball at you? Can you spin your flute to block it? I have never tried. Fortunately, nobody's ever tried throwing a fireball at me. All right, well, stay tuned gamer. for that. Stand by. Oh, God, no. No. <laughs> Lauren the flute blocks a fireball. I will have my flute. We can try this. <laughs> right, best we, idea ever. We need a can of hairspray. <laughs> or at least like a, a roll of toilet paper we can light on fire and just chuck so it I at her. I have a fire phobia, actually. Well, this will be great for you to deflect yeah, it. Yeah, to oh, overcome God. it. What have I gotten myself into? <laughs> all right, okay, so we should get back to Terranigma. <laughs> These are great games, though. These are all great games. Terranigma is easily the biggest in scope, both thematically and as far as the game itself. I, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, there's definitely yes. a progression in the trilogy yes. of just the game being, I think, just better in gameplay overall and just having a bigger scope and a more, I think, intense story and just 
unlike, you know, other trilogies where, you know, by the time it's the third game, it's kind of like, you can tell the developers are like kind of burnt out or out of ideas. Like with this, Terranigma is just fantastic in so many ways. It's polished on every level. One of the things that I think is really interesting is you can tell when, when, when a creator has a very, very strong vision of something in particular they want to say, because sometimes they'll just keep trying to say it until they get it right. And I really feel that's what Quintet did. Like even with EVO, like they're trying to explore the same themes. And I feel like as much as Grandstream Saga came later, it was kind of a bit more of a mess. I feel like Terra Enigma was where they, they got it. They said the thing they wanted to say. Almost without exception, it's just this beautiful Grandstream Saga is also just really awkward because of the controls. Like that, they went, mm-hmm. they broke into the weird like 3D market, and it's just really and the graphics, yeah. the, the faces. There it's aren't fun, any faces. but it's really awkward. I feel like an entire show could be dedicated to the growing pains of going from 2D to 3D. <laughs> yeah. And, oh yeah, that's why. Like I was like wondering, like what happened to Quintet, and I realized that they just didn't survive the move to 3D as well as they could have. It's, it's also not technically Quintet, I believe. It's mostly Quintet people, but under a different name. So it's right. kind of like the stealth Quintet game. Yeah. yeah. They actually difference. made Dark Cloud, so. Wait, what? No, I'm kidding. Really? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Oh. I was going to say Dark Cloud is, is No, but see, lot. there are some similarities. <laughs> yeah, Death um, and Rebirth, with, come on. Specifically the way Soul Blazer um, plays out, and you bring you bring things back, specific parts of the town from well, the yeah, dungeon. Yeah, even ActRaiser is so yes. similar to Dark Cloud. <laughs> Dark Cloud totally stole that. Yeah, I thought level five was the quintet people with a new branding, but I, I also mm-hmm. made that up. But I'm assuming not that to it, my knowledge, true. there's no there's no connection. There could be, but I suppose. But there the level five, I think, is a lot less dark natured. Like they're a lot more happy fuzzy than true. quintet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, quintet! So I love them. You mentioned that uh, it seemed like such a clear statement. They were actually developing Terranigma to some extent before ActRaiser. Oh, really. Wow. For that long. Yeah, ActRaiser came out in 1990, and Terranigma stemmed from a game that they were 70% done with. It was an RPG that was going to depict the entire life cycle of a planet. But then someone said, hey, you guys want to make something for the Super Nintendo to be a launch title? And they were like, sure, okay. And they made ActRaiser instead and scrapped what was kind of the seed of Terranigma up until, you know, 95. Which is funny because that's a really meta, like, application of just Terranigma and its story of, like, Rebirth. Yeah, it oh, is. actually, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they were working on it before the Super Nintendo was even launched. Yeah, yeah I mean, not not it specifically, but the concept at least. Yeah, yeah. The they're idea. really ambitious people. I will give them that. They uh, they were. <laughs> well, they're they're still out there. We just don't know what they're doing. It was written, designed, yeah. and directed by Tomoyoshi Miyazaki. Uh, he was the major force behind all of these games. Um, is he still doing cool stuff? Can we track him down? We we should track him Wait, down because it, we don't is that the know same what he's Mi- doing. Is that the same Miyazaki that no. made Dark Souls? No, I knew someone Because it's also that. a Miyazaki <laughs> named no. who created Dark Souls. And that kind of fits, too, in Death and Rebirth, and it's dark. I mean, seriously, it actually does. But the thing is, again, I would say that Dark Souls is more focused on the darkness and not on the balance. I mean, you've, you've beaten Terranigma, right? Yeah, I know, but 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 the thing the thing that's the thing that that makes it that makes it worth it is that there's the hope and there's the love. Like that's what really drives home the duality of Terranigma is that the the two the two halves are really balanced. True. <laughs> Let's talk about the story because so far we're giving a lot of broad ideas, but not the specifics. Terranigma is pretty fascinating in that it starts you uh, essentially you start in hell. Well, there's there's the light side of the world and the dark side, yeah. and there's only this one town left, basically in existence, and you can't leave it. And its name the, is Krista. Well, the light the light town. side of the world is the exterior Earth that we know, and, and, you're the, dark, and the dark side of the world is the Hollow Earth, which looks like hell. And you're <laughs> in this one idyllic village with a handful of people where you were born and are going to die. 
or never die or never die. You, you, it's the you're the last people on Earth, and that's kind of ill-defined, actually. Yeah, I kind of saw it as this like this like stagnant kind of world that like or just little villas, just kind of stagnant of kind of the same thing happening every day, and because no one has any concept of a frame of reference of outside that village. That's just what their life is, and they never really question what's outside. Well, I think you're right. I think because online it also states that this is like the world of decay. So yeah, they are kind and of withering away. And it's not really hell in the sense of like you know flames and people suffering constantly. It's just a sort of like you know away from light. Um, and you know, like the of... underworld and Final Fantasy IV, where you meet the gnomes, kind of like that. Yeah, very similar to that. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. There you go. The thing that's really interesting um, is is that though I think unlike that, you really get the feeling that you're walking around the inside of the world because as you walk, they're using this like weird sort of mode seven thing to 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 let you know that you're not on the normal surface of the world. You think the way you think about it, just it's very odd. I didn't I didn't make a connection. Yeah, on the inside of a sphere. Oh, because you can see the ceiling as it rotates around you as you move. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really weird and claustrophobic and really really surreal. Like I had no idea when I started the game, like how I possibly fit into any other part of the world. Yeah, well, because it's so strange. You start in the in the typical JRPG village, and then all of a sudden you leave, and you're like, "Whoa, what?" And that music hits. Oh my god, that that's one of my favorite songs. But yeah, so you're in this village. You have a best friend named like Ellie or whatever, and there's an elder. And at some point during the beginning, there's this door that was never unlocked before in the elder's basement, and you go down it, and you you just find this box with a demon in it named Yomi, and that's when like shit hits the fan. I think it's worth noting also that um, your main character, because like a lot of times in RPGs, like your main character gets into trouble because that's what your main characters do. But like Ark, the main character of Terranigma has a personality and he's this like obnoxious spoiled brat. Like like Link smashes pots and like people are like, oh, whoa. But people are like, Ark, why do you keep destroying everything? Stuff Doesn't like he chase chickens? Isn't he a chicken he chaser? Chases chickens. He's, he's a he chicken chaser. He throws things at people. He's just this obnoxious, whiny brat. He basically fucks up the world by opening this box and everyone in the village freezes except the elder. And he's like, well, now you got to go out and fix this problem. Yeah, he's like, you fucked up. Got to go fix it. Yeah, so he sends them what? There's like five different towers in the underworld and you have to Each defeat one. them. To, yeah, to bring back like the souls or reanimate the bodies. I haven't, I haven't played but, this in a long but time. But then it also um, revitalizes the continents on the surface world. It brings them back from, they, so, they've like, like sunk under the ocean. Like, I think it's like North America, South America, Africa, Eurasia, Australia. And then Australia. Yeah, there's five. Yeah, there's yeah. five continents. And then Antarctica is not really considered. But yeah, so then you basically are like recreating the surface of the Earth to the way we know it as, as you're going from the underground. One thing that I wanted to point out that we've been talking about the story a lot, but like we haven't really been focusing on the gameplay. And I think like even just from the beginning. Your weapon is a staff, and, like, you are given so many options for combat because you have a jump button, you have a dash button, and you have just a lot of ways of of approaching combat because of that. And I think that's one of the reasons that really captivated me to the game is because with Zelda, it's like you just have your one standard attack, and then you have your other items and stuff. But You got spin attack? You can spin. You've got your spin attack, yeah, but I, I feel like... Right, you really can combine it. it. Like you can, you can a, charge. Yeah. You can you can charge and jump. You can just jump. You can. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a slide just, attack. The dive attack. Yep. Yeah. You have a slide, and so you just have like so many options on combat, and I think that that level of depth really captivated me, along with the story. Did anyone use magic? Because I remember you could use magic in the game, but I didn't really use it a whole lot. Magic was really weird because it was a consumable item, which, as we all know in RPGs, if you have a consumable item, you, you never don't use, use it. it. <laughs> yeah. well, I'm glad I'm not the yeah, only no. one. Unless it's a mother game, and then you have to use the items, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Honestly, 
for everything that works <clears throat> about Terranigma, the magic system especially, is completely superfluous. There was only one instance where I was fighting a boss called Bloody Mary, uh, yeah. who's a ghost. Oh. Um, we can have a whole podcast about her. <laughs> She's not hard if you just use, like, actually use your magic. Wait, I no. just leveled up. I overleveled, yeah. and then I could fight her. It's easy. To, it's easy to overlevel, and if you use magic, you can obliterate her. But she was the only point in the game where I used magic, and the other time I tried to use magic out of desperation was the final boss, who none of your magic products work on him. <laughs> so. I think Bloody Mary is the only boss who is weak to magic, and all others are immune. <laughs> so there you go. Save up. So all it's like you're supposed to use magic as part of your standard combat routine. But you never would because you've it's got a really a good weapon. You don't. You <laughs> exactly, can deflect yeah. things with it. Like you don't even need anything else. Well, I really like that the weapons. Some of them have like different specializations. So like you'd go back and use like a slightly older weapon sometimes against certain enemies. I thought that was an interesting element of strategy. Like they put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. So after you overcome this underworld thing, essentially the world up top has a chance to be revitalized, and it's sort of your duty to go off. Well, the elders and, like, and well, you that. need to go up there and start fixing everything yeah and he's um, like but if you go you can't come back right and i mean like he's like oh god damn it yeah and you go and you go you end up going and it's really sad and, and they actually do a pretty good job of giving your little hometown um like character so you kind of get to know the people you you have like your little girlfriend so you're like you actually feel some sense of loss that you're not gonna be able to go back because Ark has a personality in these relationships well yeah and there's lots of scenes where she's like you're coming back right we're gonna be together forever and then you just like yeah i'll be back and you don't he, he like, seemed yeah. kind of broken up over it What's interesting is when you go back to the Earth, it's the same kind of format that they pioneered in both Act Razor and Soul Blazer, which is that it's a barren world and you have to then overcome dungeons essentially to to bring life back, to bring it back, and you do it in stages. You bring back the plants, you bring back birds. the birds, you and then you bring back, back the, the wind so the birds can fly yeah. and animals. And then like just, and then later on it gets more complicated of like civilization and yeah. like you make remember, the like, horrible, horrible decision. Whether or not to resurrect mankind. Yeah, exactly. And then the game kind of falls off the rails for a little while. I feel like that chapter kind of loses sight of what it's doing. Well, that was the first time I got depressed because it's like, you can bring back mankind, but if you do this, you can no longer talk to the animals. Because you were friends. Yeah. You could talk to birds. Like, you you meet, like, this, this, like, prince of lions and all these. And you can talk to them. And then it's like, if you bring back humans, you will no longer be able to talk to them. Basically, like, by doing this thing that you were compelled to do, you lose everything you already have. And And it's interesting because then you run into some of the animals who were characters and you can't speak to them. It just says dot, dot, dot. And then you're just like, I hate my life. Why did I (laughs) do this? Because it's quintet, and they want to hurt you, so that you can reflect on the beauty of friendship and the transience of connection or something. Illusion of Gaia is one of those things where it's very similar, where it kind of gives you that, like, yeah, you can save the world or, or do this thing, but then you sacrifice everything else. Like, so in Illusion of Gaia, you choose to save the world and basically prevent this comet from destroying humanity yet again and repeating the cycle of humanity going through civilization, kind of getting more and more advanced and this comet comes and then basically just puts humans back on square one. God, is that Sisyphus with the rock? I believe it's Sassafras. Sassafras, okay. Yes. But it's kind of like that and then basically by stopping the, the spirit of the comet and then a lot of Final Fantasy VII, isn't it? No, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it just sounds What's funny is all this stuff, like, all these things predate, like, like people know Majora's Mask about the moon going to hit the earth and destroy mm-hmm. it all, but Illusion of Gaia did that first. And, and people know Terranigma of going from your comfortable village and then going to, like, this unknown earth and, like, Skyward Sword is the exact same way, but was much worse in every way. 
I'm not sure if people were directly influenced by Terranigma or Illusion of Gaia or Soul Blazer, but but they did a lot of things that people don't realize. But anyways, going back to Illusion of Gaia is that by allowing human civilization to advance and not get destroyed and become kind of our modern world, everyone loses their memories of what had happened and people who were friends before don't really know each other. And everyone just kind of loses sight of what happened during the game illusion of guy is pretty fascinating because it's a game that has one a really really sharp story with great character interplay but it features landmarks from the world that we know but the land masses themselves are completely different and then at the end of the game when you're on the surface of the comet looking down on the earth you see the shapes reconfigure on your map as though the presence of the comet created a event by which myth and reality became blurred and in solving that problem, you've returned reality to what we currently exist in. That's and too deep for me. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That one was hard. I remember some of it being hard, but I, I also haven't played it in like 10 years. I think it was harder than Terranigma because it was, it was less of an RPG and more of an adventure game, mm-hmm. but it still had heavy combat. Terranigma so. was the hardest one emotionally. <laughs> That's true. Well, so Terranigma was more mature, like, and I don't mean like in a like, haha, bad words, but like actual maturity. Terranigma really developed its characters in a deeper way and also had more painful costs. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Like, um, I mean, there's the, the sacrifice of Hamlet and Illusion of Gaia, I know, hit some people pretty hard, but... But even like... A, um, a pig who, uh, who dives into the flames of some cannibals so that <laughs> You won't get eaten. They're not originally cannibals. They're just desperate and starving to death. No, so. in that's the, in the in American the version. So, really? Yeah. yeah. So in the Japanese, they were cannibals, but they were censored to just be starving. So um, in America, they changed cannibals to poor people. Thanks, Great America. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, really people. interesting. But, I didn't know that. But both games. I, I mean, I'm I'm not too familiar with Soul Blazer, but both Illusion of Guy and Terranigma um, had some pretty weak translations, from what I read. <laughs> Oh, man. I, like, like one thing um, a lot of people joke about Terranigma, I remember like reading in forums back in the day, was that there's like the villain and you bring him back to life, you know, mistakenly. And, and his line is, I thank you for arousing me. Because arouse <laughs> can be defined as awaken, but when people think of arouse, you know. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. How do you know he wasn't aroused? That's oh, true. Dear. He, That's just, true. he just woke up. <laughs> yeah. 10,000-year-long oh morning one? <laughs> Thank you for arousing me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, Baruga, so, you dirty dog. One thing that I'll give Terra Nigma credit for, the Illusion of Guy did very poorly. So I work as a copywriter in my day job, and I do a lot of proofing and editing, and I'm like, guys, can you can you keep it between first person or third person? Because, like, Will will be talking like, I did this, I did this, Will did that. I'm like, wait a minute, no. <laughs> <laughs> will, why are you narrating yourself in third person? I don't know. I remember reading that... Um, some of the lines that are attributed to certain characters are incorrect in Illusion of Gaia with the way they they did it. Like certain characters are supposed to say something, but they attribute the line to somebody else. That would make Seth and the fish make a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like is does he he like gets eaten by the fish and then he becomes the fish or yeah, something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So like one of the one of your friends in Illusion of Gaia, um, at one point, I think he like falls off a boat and then gets eaten by a fish and then yeah, he yeah. becomes a fish. I think it's there's something about it. I know the. In English, the translation is that he he's like I am Riverson, but it was a mistranslation of Leviathan. Oh, really? Oh, oh. Yeah, my like, goodness, that's a big difference. Like, Riverson <laughs> makes sense because they're on a river, and he is the son of the river now. Like you know, but 
but he's actually, you know, a Leviathan, which is a, a sea beast. A sea god. Yeah. Well, he becomes a gigantic fish, so I guess either one will do. I, I need to go that. back and play that game because I do not remember 90% of what you guys have talked about. In <laughs> it's a weird back. game. It's, it's, it's actually my got- favorite. I played um, Terranigma for the first time very recently, leading up to this microsode, and I really enjoyed it, but Gaia still got first place in my heart out of the quintet games. I Illusion of Gaia, I have a very, like, kind of unwarranted dislike of um, because of reasons unrelated to the game, because I am also a huge fan of Lufia 2. Like, that is probably my favorite Super Nintendo RPG. It's a very good one. Yeah. And so I... Lufia 2, like, I know that game has a lot of really, really crappy flaws, but there's a lot of about Lufia 2 that I just adore. And um, I only played it using an emulator because, of, you know, being a poor kid with, like, an allowance of, like, maybe 20 bucks a year or something. So finally one day I, in college, I saved up enough to buy Lufia from someone on uh, a forum. And so I buy Lufia 2, and I'm super excited to play it, but I was at college at the time, and my Super Nintendo was back at home. And finally I get back home, and I try it out, and it turns out that the person put the Illusion of Gaia ROM chip inside of the Lufia 2 plastic case. <laughs> what? Oh, so no. I, I start the game and Lufia 2, you know, I put in Lufia 2 in my super. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And it's like, Enix. I'm like, wait a second. This wasn't published by Enix. It was Natsume. And then, and then it like, you know, Illusion of Guy has a very grand opening, you know, with like music and stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I messaged the guy and it's been like a month since then. And he just was like, oh, too late. Joke's on you, asshole. Oh, man. That's yes. almost like the time where I, I went through all these hoops to get you a copy of Terranigma, Cap. And it ended up, you finally got it. And we finally got kind of a, a working Super Nintendo that's like region free and then the game was in what German? Yeah. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> that's I spent, exciting. I, I think it was eighty dollars and it was in German. You know? Yeah. Uh, I ended up actually my my Terranigma source, really the only thing we can advise is that you do the ROM deal because no one has despite popular demand, it's never been brought to the virtual console or, or anything. I mean it's it's which, ready. It's done. Yeah, um, which is surprising because like you'd think that like like, that's how I imagine Virtual Console being used. And it seemed like they were doing it for a bit with, like, Sin and Punishment. But then Terranigma never... I mean, is it? It's not even out in the European Virtual Console, is it? No, it's no. not. So since you guys had mentioned that Terranigma perhaps coming... Like, not being released in the U.S. was more of a timing issue. Because I, I was always just assumed that it was it was Nintendo America censors. Like, I, I would assume that the game would be in some ways too controversial. And that's part of why they haven't brought it over. Like, again, like playing through Mother 3 for the first time, I'm like, oh, I see why they're hesitating to bring this over because there's some stuff where you're like, well, what would you do with this? 
Like, do you think that that's part of why maybe Terra Enigma isn't on the virtual console? Or do you think that maybe Nintendo has chilled out and it's not a content thing? No, I think it is a content thing because I recently like cat played it and they reminded me of certain things that that they would not be able to do in america like you were telling me about some of the the like the villages or like the symbolism that they just would never well there's here. i mean there's there's religion, they would they would have to iconography it. there's drinking and i just but honestly in this day and age i don't think it would be an issue i, really I think don't. they would yeah. have to redo it to be they'd have to replay the whole game they'd have to redo those scenes I, or I edit don't, them i genuinely don't think they'd bother i think they'd slap a teen rating on it they would let it the day. giant like jesus on the cross he's, he's, it, you yeah. go if you go if you're no christian game has that if though. you're a christian and you go into a church you fucking see that every damn okay, day true but have you ever seen a game with that uh, a super nintendo a game uh, not a super nintendo game <sighs> but the super nintendo doesn't exist anymore yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a concept it's not a reality so i think i think it would be fine i, I really do but then I also want to give a shout out to any cool game stores that sell functional bootlegs of Terranigma. Which is where you got yours, Which right? is how I got mine. It's the honest. first time I played Terranigma, I didn't have a gamepad. And do you know how hard it is to do those combos on like using the the, the arrow keys? Uh, yeah, that's that was... Because <laughs> you can't hit more than two keys at once. And I don't think you can hit up and right at the same time, but you can hit up and left. So it's really hard to do a lot of, of moves. It's like that, that puzzle in Chrono Trigger, which was kind of like accidentally anti-emulation. I don't remember that puzzle. There's this puzzle in Chrono Trigger when you first go to 2300 AD and there's a code to open a door and you press like LR, select and start or something like that. And a lot of times emulate or just Windows in general back in the day, especially like Windows 95, 98, couldn't process more than several button presses at a time on a keyboard. Oh no, so you would never be able to get past that. Ah, so uh, the way you'd have to do is you'd have to map LR, start and select all to one key and then press amazing. it that way. But like, you know, it was just unintentional. It was just a kind of a quirk of Windows. But then people were like, how do I do this? How do I do this? You know, I see some other games had some pretty interesting anti-piracy functions back in like the 16-bit days, which I was like, I don't think piracy was that big of a deal back then. But like, I know Earthbound is pretty famous for its anti-piracy where the game will just give you an insanely high encounter rate. And then when you get to the final boss, the game will crash and wipe your cart. What? Yeah, you haven't heard yeah. about that? No, because I did emulate it because I, I think the first time because I didn't know it. it and I, I think I, when they finally started coming out with like more sophisticated emulators and ROMs and stuff, they had, you know, basically workarounds to those quirks. Nesticle. Yeah. That's actually like one of the things is how I discovered Terranigma was through emulation was because, you know, most of the times you couldn't find a website that had every ROM ever. Like you just had somebody with their own kind of handpicked collection of, oh, here's Mario World. Here's Zelda. Here's, uh, you know, Super Metroid. Here is Mega Man X, but like most of the times you couldn't find more obscure games unless you really knew where to look. And um, finally, there was this one guy and, you know, he had his games on this website and he had reviews. And I remember they were all pretty reasonable reviews about games. And then he had one about Terranigma. And it was in all caps talking about how this is the greatest <laughs> game ever. And it's better than Zelda. You, you know when like, it's all caps. He means business. And, and I was like, you know, like he's not typing in all caps for everything. And he's giving everything a reasonable review. Like he's talking about Super Metroid not being for everybody because of the exploration aspect. And he's talking about, you know, whatever complaints he had about the games that were really reasoned. But then when he got to Terranigma, he was like, this is the best game ever. It is better than <laughs> Ocarina of Time. It's better than Link to the Past. It is better than anything you've played. No one's ever heard of it, but you need to play it now. And I, was I kind like, of agree. It's, yeah, it's something like, that e even if it's not your cup of tea, it's an experience that you haven't had that you need to have. You exactly, need to have this yeah. experience. And then I remember uh, around the same time I had met a uh, person on a forum named Terranigma Freak. And, you know, <laughs> Tells if, it right there. if he's out there, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where he is these days, but if he's out there listening to this podcast, I wanted to say to you that 
God, I'm so embarrassed of the same. Adil Link, you know, because Adil Link, my original character. <laughs> wow. Says hi. That's amazing. And, Do not uh, steal. You, you know, reach out to me if you can, because that was part of the reason also. I was like, if this guy is likes Terranigma so much that he made his screen name about it, like, I like Zelda, but he's a freak about Terranigma. I got to play this. He's Terranigma freak. So it deals with some pretty significant mythological themes, and I feel as though there's a specific mythological undertone that's in these games about civilization having existed and died in a cataclysm and needing to be brought back. I feel like there is a specific, relatively obscure to the Western world mythology that talks about that, but I could not for the life of me pinpoint one that actually proposed um, that specifically. Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Done. There is like a really common concern about us being our own undoing. And I think that that is actually really common in, I mean, in science fictional media. And I mean, not to like make too much of an assumption here, but I think to a large degree, um, like you can have cultural trauma that you work through, just like some individual creators have like their personal trauma that they work through with their fiction. And like Japan had some cultural trauma that they went through in the 20th century. And I think you'll see kind of like the, the, the risk of absolute destruction caused by humanity is a very real concern in a lot of like video games and other things and that's like a that. Very, yeah, that's True. a very common theme in, in Japanese media, you know, humanity and technology getting so advanced that it basically destroys what is left of the natural earth spirit. Because I think now that you mentioned that, I think uh, Illusion of Gaia, the final line is like, yeah, humanity has been saved and it can advance and civilization can, can be at what we consider our modern level. But the Earth now. is now sad because it has essentially been forgotten, like the Earth spirit. Yeah, Quintet is definitely very interested in like, I mean, they're really interested in the cost of things um, because there is always going to be a cost. And I do think that they really make you feel that whether it's like your, your character having to give something up or that's the a, trade off with the world. And, and that's where when you mentioned it's a mature <clears throat> game, that's like definitely the sort of thing where like your actions have consequences and and there really yeah. isn't a purely happy ending, you know? Like Yeah, which is which is really hard. And I think that's one way in which uh, quintet games are different than a lot of other games, both on, like, the, the large full plot level and, like, the individual character stories. Like, I will never forget, um, I guess if you guys haven't played that much Soul Blazer. So in Soul Blazer, unlike the other two games, you, you don't play, like, an ordinary person. You actually play kind of like this, like, emissary of a deity. So you're basically an angel of some sort gone to Earth to try to fix things. So, like, ActRaiser? Um, oh, it's like ActRaiser, yeah. yeah. It's, well, it's, the, it's thing, the thing similar, is, in ActRaiser, yeah. Act Act like, you are a manifestation of the deity. In Soul Blazer, you're kind of like his little dude. You're like his, his, <laughs> his soldier. You're my little dude. I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, I always interpreted him as being more of an angel. But um, but like you have this device, this magic wand that lets you talk to plants <laughs> and animals, or, or 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 see into somebody's soul or heart or mind because you're not human, so you can have these supernatural powers. Um, and so you kind of get to have these little details that don't actually have anything to do with the overarching plot. Like there's this one section where you go into an underwater area, and there's all these mermaids and things. But there's there are these two dolphins, and if you go into, I think it's the dreams actually. If you go into the dreams of the dolphins, you find out that they were a father and son who were shipwrecked on a raft and they died of thirst. <laughs> and then they were brought back as these dolphins. And so there's this like death and destruction and suffering and then this new life and this new rebirth. And so you're like, okay, well, I'm glad that you're happy as dolphins. I'm sorry you had to suffer as humans. And like, why is that there? Because that's not overarching plot characters. That's not something that really like ties into like Angel Saves the World, but like that's so intrinsic to the way that Quintet wants to tell stories and the sort of thing they want to explore it's that like on things. every level. That's, that stuck that's, with me. Yeah, that's definitely very Quintet. 
The most famous scene, perhaps, in Terranigma is the, the scene of the goat sacrifice. Oh, no, I just remember the goat sacrifice. That's I was like, what? Here. Oh, that's very, very fitting. Like, one one dies so that others may live. Yeah. I mean, that's how that's that was Hamlet's entire yeah. ideology in Illusion of Gaia was that I'm going to basically kill myself so you can, guys can have bacon um, and instead of eating everyone else and each other. I really think that they they revisit these themes over and over again. And... I think that the way it's handled in Terranigma, again, is a little bit more mature than the way it is in Illusion of Gaia. Nothing against Illusion of Gaia, but it's like they took their idea and were like, let's have a slightly different, slightly more advanced way of exploring the same thing. You saw that a lot, actually, in ways of an idea wasn't fully realized. And then the second or third game, like a a game afterwards, kind of took that idea and, and did it differently like if you look at mario 3 the whole flight mechanic is is you know much more advanced in mario world um and i think that's possibly how they wanted to do it or after they saw how it worked in mario 3 that you know that's what they wanted to do earthbound i always have considered as like a soft remake of um earthbound zero that's what i've been told that like it's essentially the same game but they couldn't do what they wanted to do i haven't played mother one but i've been told that this story is similar enough that if you've played Earthbound, you've had the superior version of the same experience. But then people people disagree. So it, it is. Yeah. Just, it. I guess to put my two cents on it, you're 100% correct. It is essentially a remake. I mean, it's kind of like how Star Fox 64 is a remake of yeah, Star Fox. Yeah, that was Fox, the other but, example. But, but, oh! But at the same time, in Earthbound Beginnings, as you get into the, the final act, the story takes a really drastically different turn that you don't necessarily huh. see coming especially by comparison to Earthbound. Yeah, it's, that's it's true. Much okay, darker. now I'm more even more interested in playing it. Okay. <laughs> um, and Super Metroid is a very kind of... I mean, obviously the story continues after... Um, that game is also sad. Metroid 1, yes. but it also does a lot of very, very similar things that I'm sure that they were like, hey, we wanted to do this on the NES, but we couldn't. And now we've got this much better hardware that we can do what we wanted to do. But see, that's one of the things I think is really interesting is that the examples that you're giving are a lot of like like gameplay yeah. similarities where, where like they kind of build on as they learn the technology better. But like I think what Quintet does is from a more narrative perspective, that's, they go back to yeah, the same themes and point. the same stories. And like and I assume that the only way that that gets like more mature or whatever is just that they think about it more and they get to be more mature storytellers. But it's, it's I think it's kind of different. Yeah. No, it's that's... not the technology. It's them. Yeah. Because, I mean, but, all three of those games were on the Super Nintendo, so that does answer that. <laughs> but it is amazing to look between Soul Blazer and Terranigma, because I think Soul Blazer is pretty early on the system, and Terranigma, yeah. I guess, apparently is even later on the system than I thought, and yeah. it's just pretty Drastic incredible. Well, that's, that's why I'm just so impressed with the Super Nintendo, because even like compare like Final Fantasy IV to something like Seiken Densetsu three or oh my uh, God. Helmet Lagoon. Yeah. Like, Star Ocean and Tales of Fantasia are basically oh my God. like... PlayStation games running on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Let me ask right. you a question. Do you know Do you know anything, and I know I'm getting off track and I don't care. Do you know much about Star Ocean for Super Nintendo? Because when I realized there was a Star Ocean for Super Nintendo, I, I had to find it on an emulator and played it. And there was voice acting in it. And I don't know if yeah. that was added later. No, that no, was that legit is, in the game. That was in the game. There was voice acting in a Super Nintendo game. Yeah. Damn, uh, Tales son. of Fantasia also did that. Yeah. It's in English. And it's actually, it's not like crappy English. It's like... It's just like a Star Trek kind of like, you know, Captain's Log, you know. Some say the universe is like a star ocean. Oh, God. I think they say the same thing in the second game. Yes, they do. We're in the star ocean. Which is weird because the first game has actually pretty decent voice acting and didn't come out in the U.S. But the second game. (laughs) Oh, God. The second game is voice acting. um, It's it's so 
it's so bad it's good yeah oh my no. god some of their so some of their attacks you listen to it and you're like what the hell did he just say i'm reading the attack but that's not what they said and then they like forgot to translate tractor beam so like rena's like heal tractor beam I have played way too much Star Ocean 2. I'm sorry. I'll just... What? What did she say? <laughs> air slash. Air slash. Oh, man. It's all I air did. Slash. Air slash. Yeah. Air slash. Whoo, boy. Let's talk about that uh, game next. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Terranigma. So, the point in Terranigma that really veers in, in a direction that's beyond Soul Blazer and, and beyond Illusion of Guy in a lot of ways is the it's, it's divided up into four chapters, and uh, the chapter Resurrection of the Genius, after, when you bring humanity back, the whole agenda of that time and it's kind of ill-defined is you need to find the brilliant minds of humanity and stimulate them and, and help them flourish well don't you help them like create inventions and and make technology you, flourish i and, do and yeah, you, Bell, you help him yeah. build the telephone you help christopher columbus yeah. all the way up to neo tokyo yeah, yeah there's it gets really weird because in this chapter you realize oh my god something is happening with time and whatever, however I think I understand how time works in this game, it doesn't. Because all of a sudden, human technology rises from like from feudalism to the industrial age to the modern age within a pretty narrow scope, all based on arc influencing things, negotiating trades, building up the economic index of the towns, believe it or not. I, I, I believe that oh, they took the creative stance of just basically saying, no, arc doesn't age. This is just all paraphrase. Well, except that the characters around him who he connects to, like, um, oh, like Roy. No, what was his name? Royd. Yeah. Royd. <laughs> Royd Rage. He, he does have Royd Rage. Oh. oh <laughs> Royd. Hey. Yeah, because he still uses like a sword and shield, and then you're like fighting guys with like laser guns, and he's got a sword. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Cool. I think it's just it, it's, you know you can't account for everything in in that kind of progression of a story. So they're not perfect guys. It is odd because you do feel kind of at that point outside of time and question the narrative there, but it's also interesting because then we see it as in some ways more of a direct representation of our world than Illusions of Gaia was when they had all the ancient landmarks and so on, because Gaia was meant to be another case of a world before our world and in this case you're actually developing the world that we now exist in where you have characters like christopher columbus and alexander graham bell and thomas edison thomas edison um, yeah it's very... i know you go to france where you meet the you your, your best friend but she's like the light version of your best friend Ella. oh yeah that's another thing is that it does light world dark world in a way that's more narratively well there's light and dark counterparts i think to some of the characters and yeah. that, that actually yeah. it becomes a major thing later that i want to ruin but but yeah. i think it, it, but it's it, not good and evil it's 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 different it's just, world it's just yeah different world like Again, kind of that like moral grayness that that quintet does very well, and I think just the whole light world, dark world was done in a really cool way, which isn't just like linked to the past, where it's just oh yeah, this is just everything is bad and evil, and everything is good and prosperous here. It's just two different worlds that are connected, and have but they're also kind of opposing factions, like the the deities or whatever you want to call them that run these worlds, like the god and devil, are actually at war with each other while this yeah. is all ha like kind of happening. Not directly, but but it's not know. like the people all in the dark world are all necessarily evil and, and no. Trying to, no, but they are of the darkness and are doing its bidding unwittingly. I'm assuming. Yeah, Quintet is very interested in showing that there's a price for everything. So while you can celebrate your resurrection of the world and the resurrection of mankind and the resurrection of technology, but it's unexpected prices that, that you you know there has to be a balance in everything, and there will always be a give and a take, and that there's no 
right answer to it necessarily because you've completed the game, you've won, but just like at the end of Illusions of Gaia, the humans are happy in their villages, the villages being cities, but the Earth is not necessarily. Yeah, but even before you get to the end of the game, there's there's parts earlier on, you know, during the whole human part where you, you think you're doing the right things and everything is... It, basically, they, they surprise you and you really honestly should play this game. And, and if you can't, I'm going to describe something to you that in my experience would be the same experience as playing Terranigma. So if you go out... And you buy a really cute dog. Stay with me on this, Cap. You okay. buy a really cute dog. Let's say a Welsh Corgi. And you love that dog. He's Ayn from Cowboy Bebop. He's really cool. He's your best friend. And then <laughs> you have to give him up one day. And then you kill yourself. That's what Terranigma. <laughs> that, is, that is the Terranigma experience to me. Oh my that, God. Is, that is the experience uh, in a nutshell. So if you want to live that horrible fantasy uh, without any dire consequences, play Terranigma. Yeah. Please. Oh, I hope you'll all agree. I, yeah. I disagree, but um, I don't. <laughs> I do think it ends on a note of hope, though, and I think that's important. You're wrong. I think you're all wrong. Well, it, depends on, it depends on how you interpret the ending. It ends on a note of my tears. But I mean, I mean, I mean you're definitely crying, and, and I know that the ending is open to interpretation. But even if you don't take that slightly more hopeful interpretation of the ending, like you're still kind of like net benefit is good, even if the cost really sucks. I liked it being painful and beautiful. I feel like to interpret the closing after credit sequence in Terranigma, you need only look to the closing after credit sequence of Illusions of Gaia to kind of get in the headspace of where the creators are on the matter specifically. And that might help you. And I, I there's some translated interviews with the creators of the game, and they did imply that there were a lot of things where they really wanted to leave it open-ended so you the gamer would imagine your own conclusions that they themselves do not have a correct interpretation of it oh i like that i think it's very in keeping with the fact that they're not trying to lecture you on something they're trying to explore themes so brandon unfortunately won't be there but the rest of us are all going to be at camp fan gamer well i'll be dead so yes thank you (laughs) wait what just you know in general yeah he just has he has prior his priorities i'm taking a long sleep the big nap, the walk with the fishes, taking the boat to the sky, die of thirst, and be reborn as a dolphin. That's right. That's what I'm there you go. trying to do. Camp Fan Gamer. If you've listened to the show, you've probably heard me rant and rave about it. But if you haven't, it is a incredible multimedia festival centered around Earthbound. In this case, it's Mother Three. It was Earthbound last year, and it's going to be July 29th through the 21st in Tucson, Arizona. Tickets are still available, and you should totally come out. Isn't there a town called Tucson and in, in Mother? Arizona. That's the joke. I know, oh, shit. I know. Oh, my God. It's the best thing ever. I get it now. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I thought it was pronounced Tucson. That's what uh, I'm reading. It's like an alternate reality game that you live for a weekend. And uh, I did an extensive review of it last year. So we'll link to that on this episode's page, along with any other stuff that we mentioned here. And this episode has actually acted in some aspects as the genesis for a panel that has not been approved yet, but we hope to be presenting. <laughs> I'll put a for you. <laughs> on the nature of the death and reincarnation of the world in the Quintet trilogy and also how that pertains to Mother 3 in some aspects. I think I've got some better ideas of how to loop Mother 3 into this discussion. I'm so excited. <laughs> now, you fine folks, what stuff are you doing currently, aside from going to Camp Fangamer, that uh, the people listening should know about? Well, I've been streaming Mother 3, actually, and I'm getting really close to the end. So that's exciting. Um, and my band, The Returners, is hopefully will do some more big events, but we don't have anything on the calendar yet. It's been a busy semester, <laughs> but we'll have more stuff. And if you're in Austin, Texas, just look up The Returners. We play local shows. 
And the Returners much- VGM. We're not the same as the band in California, although they are named for Final Fantasy VI, so I approve of them. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Adil? I've got nothing too exciting going on. I am fasting for Ramadan for the next uh, 28 days now. And so this is the first time I'm fasting in Arizona in the 110 degree weather. So that's pretty cool. Ooh. As for Fan Gamer, we're just, uh, you know, keeping up with all the new stuff like Undertale orders. Oh my god. Trying to think what else. Um, I don't know. I'm like kind of getting a little lightheaded from not having eaten or drank all day. So <laughs> Wait, oh, no. aren't you on like your first day? No, this is the third day of fasting. Oh, geez. When, so you can't wait. I don't know how you live. How do you survive? Uh, do you After sundown, right? Yeah. So after sunset. Oh, okay. So basically yeah. you become a vampire for 28 days. That's pretty yes. cool. <laughs> is it like LARPing? Yeah. <laughs> I want to try it. I wouldn't well, last actually, an hour. Um, I'm sorry. What I do is uh, every year on the last Friday of uh, Ramadan, I invite as many people as possible to fast with me just to kind of show a side of Islam that most people don't see because Islam has a really bad rap and I think a lot of it (laughs) is uh, just based on misunderstanding and I think uh, Ramadan is a really beautiful part of the faith and I think even just on a secular level if you're not a religious person you can at least appreciate what Ramadan represents. Do your friends usually like on the last day are they like oh this is so hard and you're like guys I've been doing this for 28 days you're wusses. Yeah kind of. You say, like, people will be like, you know, I'll fast with you, but I got to drink water because otherwise I won't be able to make it. Or I'll fast with you, but just for a couple hours or something. So no water even. Yeah, no water. Whew. That's got to be hard in 110 degree heat. Yep, no Mountain Dew Cone Red. <laughs> uh, that, uh, let me check the Quran. Let me see if I don't think that, I don't think that counts. I don't think that counts as food. Yeah, that's not a Technically, food. Technically, <laughs> there's no nutritional oh, value. In fact, it probably makes you hungrier or dehydrates you. Probably, <laughs> so, yeah. Man. It's like the machines in Chrono Trigger. Yeah. You still feel hungry. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you're so hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of food, um, if people are going to come to Camp Fangamer, look for me. I'll be either Paula or Toriel, and I might have butterscotch cinnamon cookies and or banana nut bread. Ooh, Does that seem thematically that. relevant? Ooh. I like to bake, so come say hi to me. You can't miss me. I'll have a flute. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to leave on a song as normal, and I'll let Lauren introduce that. But before we do that, I want, want to leave you with one final thought on the nature of uh, Terranigma and the death and resurrection of the world and potentially how little we know about the prehistory of the world and intelligent life on it. This is from the New York Herald Tribune newspaper, the 16th of February, 1947. Oh, geez. Oh, wow. Okay. When the first atomic bomb exploded in New Mexico... The desert sand turned to fused green glass. This fact, according to the magazine Free World, has given certain archaeologists a turn. They've been digging in the ancient Euphrates Valley and have uncovered a layer of agrarian culture 8,000 years old and a layer of herdsman culture much older and a still older caveman culture. But recently they reached another layer, a layer of fused green glass. I'm gonna, I am gonna—I don't believe you, and I have to look this up as soon as this is over because if that's true, holy shit. Well, there's That's... also many, many reasons that there could be fused green glass. Like but... a meteor hitting the desert. Um, yep. Okay. So, uh, but, you know. Or a civilization that was once thriving and had technology that created atom bombs and then killed society. And then we came back years later when we finally evolved again. Obviously, there's lots of things about the ancient world, the myths that I was hoping to find pertaining to this. So if you know of any mythological parallels to Terranigma, please email me at cap at nerdyshow.com and we will work it into our presentation at Camp Fangamer. Anyway. <laughs> Lauren, tell us about the track that's taking us out. Okay, so this is actually um, several years old. It's a, it's a cover of Ark's Hometown. 
Krista. It's called Krista Blue, which makes sense if you have played the game. But um, this is me playing it on flute and some other instruments. So I hope you enjoy it. And thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much to Matt Cox for requesting this topic, which obviously we were quite excited by. Hopefully we'll see you at Camp Fangamer. If not, we'll see you next week on Nerdy Show. show if you like what you heard please rate and review us on itunes or like and follow us on soundcloud as listener supported entertainment we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the nerdy show network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via patreon any contribution gets you exclusive outtakes episodes and images from across the network and there's even more perks available just head to patreon.com slash nerdy show To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a comment, like and share, and follow Nerdy Show on all of your favorite social networks. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. And that's the show, guys. We're, We're still recording. It's still recording. Yay! Penis, penis, penis. Yeah, you can get that on there. I'll, I'll... I needed to get that out. <laughs> okay. I need to get that. I need to get the penis off my chest. <laughs> we could have talked about penises during the show. I mean, I just I know, didn't think of it. Thank Cap, you for you need to... me. Cap. <laughs> Cap. Yeah, no, that that did that did count. I think I think that counted. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.